With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everybody, welcome back to America's Game, episode number eighteen. I am your host, Eric Vanek. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Vanek NFL, and I am also once again joined by my co-host Scott Connor. Scott, what's going on, man? Eric, welcome back, episode eighteen. Another week. Had a great show last week with uh, Adam and Mike. We kind of got into the weeds. I actually got some really good feedback on that show. Like really enjoyed listening to you guys just basically bang through a bunch of different scenarios and different strategies. So I I love getting those comments from people that it's a unique type of show that isn't really being done out there anywhere else. You know, like you listen to a lot of dynasty content and a lot of it is just what happened last week, updated trade values, all that kind of stuff. Like that, this kind of stuff is really unique. And I love that show that we did last week. So glad to be back. Uh, we're going to hit on some different topics uh, today and probably give some people uh, a wide range of things to think about after this show. So glad to be here, man. Yeah, same here. And it's also, we're doing this show on um, Friday the 11th. So, you know, it comes out on Saturdays, but want to say happy, um, veterans day to all the veterans out there um anybody who's ever served or is currently serving just thank you for your service and uh just wanted to give that little shout out to any of our uh military members who do listen to our show so shout out to you guys appreciate you very very much wow and like a graceful moment by eric few and far between on these airwaves so i love that i love that thanks for doing that appreciate it just try not to get us canceled no just kidding um it's true <laughs> no i uh, i i'm definitely pro-military and very uh thankful for our military so i uh just wanted to give that little shout out yeah they're they're there so you don't have to be right so you can do this they're podcast there. and uh play fantasy football so yeah that shout out to great. anybody that served or has family members that have served so everything you said echo it 100 percent. yeah i mean they they sacrificed a lot so we can sit here and do fantasy football podcasts and play fantasy football and yell at people for making dumb trade offers to us. Like they did, they sacrificed all that just for that. Yep. Just so I could yell at people. That's, yep. That's true. Much it's true. <laughs> Anyways. So 
uh, first topic I wanted to bring up was our main event team. So, you know, we, we did our podcast on that earlier in the year. And kind of, we haven't really talked about it at all on here since then. But just kind of give you guys a quick little update. So right now, me and Scott are currently 6-3. and three. We are the number three seed in our league, uh, which is basically really based off of points. I mean, we have a chance to get up there at best record. But some of the guys in front of us would need to lose. Um, we need to get our points up just a little bit more as well. But, you know, we're not, like, locked in or anything yet. Um, but I think with a couple more really solid weeks, we could definitely get there, don't you think? Yeah, just some background to everybody. We we kind of touched on this on the show, but just to expand. So the FFPC, which is where we're doing the main event, uh, the playoffs, it's a 12-team league, head-to-head. Uh, but the regular season only runs for 12 weeks. And so that's why we're already to the point where we're talking about being in the playoffs because literally the playoffs start uh, in week 13. So there's three weeks in the regular season left of the 12 teams, only four make the playoffs and they do it a unique structure. They basically award the best record with the number one seed, regardless of how many points they scored. Then the number two seed isn't based on record. It's based on most points. So if that team that had the best record didn't score the most points, which is not the case in our league, but in a lot of leagues it is, that team with the most points in the league gets the number two seed. In this case, it's the same team. So it would just go default to the next team. And that's the team currently in the number two slot. Then the number three seed in the playoffs is based on record again. So again, the third seed is based on whoever has the best record remaining of the first two teams that hadn't qualified yet or of all the teams that hadn't qualified yet. And then the last spot goes to the team with the most points. So it's like a stagger playoff bracket. It goes best record, most points, best record, most points. Currently we are in on record and we would be in on points, but not by a lot. We'd be in on points only by like 35 points or something like that. So we have some room to spare, but we also need to win at least probably two more games and keep our points up to guarantee ourselves a spot. We have a pretty favorable schedule going forward. Uh, and then just before I turn it back over to you, the playoffs for your individual league, the 14 playoffs start week 13 and week 14. So it's basically semifinals, finals, and then it goes to the qualifying round because this is a big tournament to where all the main event winners you know, there's 400 some leagues of teams that qualify for the main event prize. All those teams, all the winners go into one big tournament. And then if you finish number two, that's something we haven't talked about. But if you get the two seed, you also qualify for the tournament. So even if we lost in the finals of our league, we'd still get 1500 bucks and we qualify automatically for the tournament. So it is a big difference between getting the two and the three seed. Like you get the two, at least you're in the big tournament to where you have some chance to make more money later on. So we're in a good spot, but really what we want to do, I think is run the table and get to nine and three and put pressure on those teams that are ahead of us to basically have to win and keep up with us and then try to hit on a couple weeks where maybe we get some big points, but we're looking good. Last week we pulled out a win out of our ass. Thank you. Kenyon Drake. Uh, for who we actually had Kenyon Drake before and then cut him and then rebitted on him spent what do we spend like 20% of our fab to get him back and then yeah, started him and trash. yeah literally he won it for us we had to throw him in that's 
that is a perfect example of when you gut your running backs and you have to start Kenyon Drake, it pays off. Where if we would have had, you know, if we would have had Alvin Kamara, we would have lost, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's how crazy it is when you build teams like that. It's like, we got lucky, but at the same time, had we had two safe running backs, like, you know, Alvin Kamara and Swift, I don't know. Our, yeah. Yeah, someone like that, we would have lost because, of course, we would have started those guys over a random jack off Kenyon Drake on the, you know, on the waiver wire. So that's just another testament to we are doing, we are practicing what we talk about. And this isn't Dynasty, but literally we're doing the same thing in Dynasty. So paid off for us. Hopefully we can, uh, you know, get to the playoffs, get a top two seed. Maybe we win a little money in the regular season, but uh, yeah, looking good. I'm glad I'm glad we pulled that one out last week. This conversation would not be as uh, chipper if we had to run the table and go three and zero to get in. We'd be a lot more stressed. Yeah, for sure. I think another unique thing too is like, even if you're two and seven, like this one guy in our league is two and seven, but he has twelve hundred and ten points. If he has a couple more like really good weeks, you could go whatever it is, three and eight, three and, you know, two, two and nine, and still get into the playoffs in that last spot on points. So you're not like technically ever out of it, even if you have like the most unluckiest schedule in the world, or you're facing like the high score every single week. Like if you just score points, you can make the playoffs, even if your record is two and two and seven, like this guy's is now. So that's well, his, I... his points against are the most a good, the league, but... Yeah. yeah, his points against are 255 more points than the team that's winning the league. And the team that's winning the league is 8 and 1. Now he has a lot of points, so it's not like he's getting lucky. Right. But I mean 255 points difference and we're only talking 9 weeks, Eric. So it's like he he's literally getting almost 30 points more scored a week against him. Yeah, than... and that was that was the guy we just beat last week too. So we gave him an unlucky loss last week. Yeah, he scored 156, and we put up 160 on him. Like, what is he supposed to do, you know? Yeah. And uh, before we had the 12-week regular season, uh, Jay and I had a team that actually won a main event. So we got in on points and won the four grand at, at four and seven. Yeah. We had a year that was the only one we won. It was a four and seven team that got in on points. And it was one of those exactly what this guy's is. It's like four or five weeks during the year, we lose to a team that had top three points and we had, you know, fourth, fourth in points that week and had just played a guy that was higher. So it is possible. Like you don't, he's not giving up. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's crazy. So, but I'll just kind of, kind of give a little rundown of our team so far, just kind of uh, where we're at. So we did draft Lamar and Tua. We've kept them all year. We had, I don't think we've ever played Tua. I think we've played Lamar every single week and, Last week, we probably should have played Tua and just never really thought about it, but we still kept Lamar in. Um, we still got the win, but barely. But if we would have had Tua in there, it wouldn't have even been a question on uh, going into Monday night. We probably would have uh, only needed a few points and, and would have been a lot safer, in our opinion. So, uh, But no, Lamar, Lamar and Tua have been um, two definitely really good quarterbacks um, to have. So happy that we have both of those guys. Well, and we have Tyreek Hill. So there were, there's been some weeks where if we would have stacked them together, we would have racked up a ton of extra points, you know? Right. And that was the reason that I, I said let's draft Tua because we had Tyreek. So that was one of the reasons. 
Um, our running backs, we are literally just piecing them together at this point. Um, so the one part that we did have, um, if you remember that podcast, um, I believe it was round four. I can actually look it up um, while we're going here. But round four, I'm pretty positive, yes. Uh, we had the choice between Cam Akers and Brees Hall at our uh, at our churn picks here. So our first three picks went Justin Jefferson, Debo, Tyreek Hill. And we decided to take our first running backs back and. Uh, this was my mistake. So Scott said, hey, let's go for Brees Hall. And I was like, ah, man, I think I, I kind of want Cam Akers because I thought Cam Akers would come back and be really good. And we passed on Brees Hall for Cam Akers. Now, obviously, Brees Hall got hurt, but Brees Hall would have definitely gave us a lot of points in the beginning of the season and probably got us, we probably would be like the one or two seed right now and probably have a lot more points than what we did. Uh, because we would have been forced to play Brees Hall every single week. We wouldn't have um, had to just not play him uh, because we had better options or something like that. We would have just played him and took his points, and we would have had all those upside points that he ended up getting. So that was our first mistake. Um, but our other running backs that we have currently are obviously Cam Akers we still have. We had Tyler Algier last night. Thanks, Tyler, for that three for minus 17 in the receiving game. Appreciate it. Uh, we have Chase Edmonds. We have Michael Carter. So we got lucky on the Brees thing. We took the opposite player and took Michael Carter later on in the draft. Um, obviously, Michael Carter is our best running back. He's on a bye this week, but we've probably played him pretty much every week. And then Kenyon Drake we talked about, and we just picked up um, Tyrion Davis-Price and Matt Breida as well. So we're literally piecing our running backs together just hoping for a running back start every week. We're look, looking on the waiver wire every single week to try and get somebody. Um, I think one of the things that we did mess up on was not going for Deontay Foreman. Uh, that's probably hurt us a little bit. We should have at least went and got him uh, when he was available, but we didn't. So, yeah, that's pretty much it for our running backs. Any, any thoughts on the running back, Scott? No, I mean, we've... Literally every week we look at the waiver wire and we're like, where do we have an empty spot? And let's just pick up guys that are an injury away from potentially being. And, and I think a lot of times you hear this discussion, it's not just redraft, but dynasty. You know, a lot of people would go, well, Matt Breed is useless, right? But Matt Breed has no trade value. Yeah. He's not really an injury way because people would go, oh, well, he's not. He's not Saquon Barkley. Even if Barkley were to get hurt, Matt Breida's not getting 28 touches. Like, you're, he's lucky to get half of that because he's Matt Breida, right? Like, right. his, you know, I'm not sure he can take more than 15 touches in a game, maybe once or twice at most. But for us, it's like if Saquon Barkley were to go down even for two weeks and we knew we would just be able to get like 15 touches out of Matt Breida, like that literally could be the difference of us winning no money and us winning, you know, $5,500 in the next three weeks, because you're right. Any running back, we've been able to say, Hey, can this guy get us 12 touches? He's in our lineup. So we've had to budget our fab enough to where it's like we, at any point we can unload the clip and spend, you know, a hundred to $200, even on a one week guy like Kenyon Drake, that literally we could have started Kenyon Drake and he could have got a six and you're like, that sucked but you got to almost budget your team around the fact when you get a guy like that on waivers, 
I mean, we've speculated on some others like TDP, Matt Breida, Damian Williams. We picked him up and then we cut him when he went on IR and we picked him back up. Like those guys we've speculated on, but usually we're speculating Mm -hmm. for cheap at that range. But when it's like a guy's available to start, Mm -hmm. like we're, we're putting over a hundred on him, and you only have so many of those shots you can take during the season to spend. Like, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. We've gotten lucky with a couple of the spot starters that we've picked up and they've actually given us decent points. We might not be in this position if we wouldn't have hit on a couple of those weeks, but I think you nailed it with two points. We didn't draft Brees Hall, and I don't know if we intentionally did this, but the fact that we didn't draft Brees Hall made it actually more pragmatic for us to go, let's go get Michael Carter. It's almost like we're betting against our decision that we made earlier in the draft trying to hit the highest upside, right? Like we passed on Brees Hall for Cam Akers. Not that Cam Akers and Brees Hall really have any correlation to one or the other, but we passed on Brees Hall. So it made Michael Carter a pick. We were like, let's do it. But the way we're building our team, had we taken Brees Hall, knowing how you and I operate, we might not have paid that price for Michael Carter. We might've gone, oh, we don't want to handcuff our own guys because typically we don't do that in redraft, right? So we might not have drafted Brees Hall or we might not have drafted Michael Carter and looking at some of the other running backs that went around where Michael Carter did, like, you know, had we taken, when we missed on some and hit on some, but had we taken Alexander Madison, Brian Robinson, Zamir White, those guys would have been woof. Dearness Johnson, J.D. McKissick, or we could have taken, you know, Khalil Herbert, Jamal Williams. Like, you know what I mean? It's you're lucky one way or the other, but we ended up kind of saving ourselves with the Michael Carter pick, and it was unintentional, but the strategy was there. So that was the first thing. And the second thing is just simply we've had, we've been in the position to play whoever we have every week. We, We would have started a lot of people in high stakes, didn't have Brees Hall in their lineup the first two or three games he smashed. Yep. You know, because they went, oh, he's a rookie. I don't trust him in week one. Now oh, he has nine catches in week one. Ah, uh, well, maybe that was a fluke. I'm not going to trust him in week two. I'm going to start David Montgomery over him. Week two, he smashes. Oh, man, I'm leaving a lot of points on my bench. Then you start playing him. But I bet you a lot of people in high stakes, they didn't get the first week or two of Brees Hall. We would have because he would have been our best running back. Yeah. So I think sure. those two things are key, not just redraft, but dynasty. Like if you're going to draft rookie running backs in 2023, right? It, there's going to be times where it's like, you're just going to start them. Boom or bust. Cause you have to, they're your best, mm-hmm. they're your best option. So just want to point that out. Go ahead. No, those are all, all really good points. I was kind of looking at our running backs that we did draft. We did draft three running backs that currently aren't on our roster. So in round 10, right before Michael Carter, uh, we took Isaiah Spiller, we both liked Isaiah Spiller, but he's just been a, a big bust this year. Hasn't done anything. Um, we got Carter round 11. Tyler Algier round 13. That was probably a pretty good round 13 pick that we've kept all year just because, you know, we didn't really have anybody else and we were waiting for his chance. A couple injuries happened in front of him and that happened. And then rounds 18 and 19, we took Damian Williams, uh, who probably would have had a big role, but he ended up getting hurt. So we cut him and drops him a couple times and then ty chandler same thing with him he hasn't played at all this year um, and been on ir so we had to speculate on those guys nothing happened there but hey you know we, we took our shots on those guys um you know kind of looking at like the beginning of our draft 
Like we hit on our, our first round pick was Justin Jefferson at 101 overall. Um, and I'm kind of glad that we, you know, we didn't take Jonathan Taylor. We didn't, I mean, McCaffrey's been good and healthy this year finally. Um, but I, I still would have preferred Jefferson over him at the time. I know that for sure. So we would have been disrupted with McCaffrey. We would have been disrupted with McCaffrey if we took him because he had the trade week. Then he had the week he was being eased in. And then he had a couple games in there where the quarterback on the Panthers was iffy. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. I'm glad we, if we would have gone Cooper cup, that would have been fine. But like we went, we made the right decision to just say, you know what? Fuck running back. And it's worked out well. And then round two and three, we took Debo and Tyreek. Uh, Tyreek has been probably the best second, third round pick um, out there by far. And then Debo, uh, we I mean, we both liked Debo. We had him a little bit, hoping he would come back. But, you know, we uh, passed on uh, A.J. Brown for Debo. That was probably a mistake in hindsight. Um you know, those guys were ranked right around each other. But looking at some of these other guys, Mike Evans, Michael Pittman, DJ Moore, uh, Travis Etienne, that would have been a nice guy to get. Um, I think round three was probably a little too high for me. McLaurin, Keenan Allen, Cortland Sutton, Mike Williams, Allen Robinson. Like, these guys were a big woof. So I'm kind of, I'm glad that we did get uh, Jefferson, Debo, and Tyreek. It's not like Debo's been terrible this year. He's put up, you know, double-digit points pretty much you know, 80% of his week so far this year. He missed the one game with the hamstring injuries back this week, so we'll see how that goes. Um, rounds four and five, we took Cam Akers, we just talked about, and then Juju. Um, we've probably reached maybe a little on Juju, but the first couple weeks were kind of iffy, but he's really come on the last couple weeks, so I think that was a really good pickup for us. Uh, Chase Edmonds in round six, that just hasn't worked out. He ended up getting traded to Denver. Hopefully things pick up in Denver. We still have him on our roster. I haven't thought about dropping him, but just going to kind of have to hope for a shot there. And then Lamar in round seven. Um, you know, Herbert, Allen, and Mahomes were both gone. We did take Lamar over Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts did go in the same round um, at the the ninth pick in that round. Uh, but, I, you know, Lamar's been fine. He had those massive games early on. Uh, lately, it's been a little bad because of the injuries that they've occurred. I definitely would rather have Jalen in hindsight, but Lamar hasn't killed us. And then Dawson Knox in round eight we got. He's been a little iffy this year. Um, like Pat Fryermuth in round 10. You know, If we would have waited two more rounds on that one, I think that would have been a better value. Uh, but the other tight ends are all have been bad too. Irv got hurt. Cole Komet's been dog shit. Albert O is on the side of the milk carton. Uh, Tyler Higby was good there for a couple of weeks, but he's fallen off the face of the earth. And Joku in round 13 would have been good, but he's missed a couple of weeks too. But uh, Dawson Knox has not had the season that we thought he would with Buffalo, just not being used as much. Still fine with it though. Uh, hopefully he continues on. And then the last one I wanted to talk about here was Chris Olave in round nine. Um, we probably took a, um, we reached for him just a little bit. He did have some buzz going into this draft, but we took him over the Traylon Burke, Sky Moore, um, Tyler Lockett went in this round, but we were never on Tyler Lockett, to be honest. Rondale Moore, Tyler Boyd. So I think we got the best um, shot there with Olave in round nine. And Olave's really come through for us um, the few times that we have played him. So glad we did get him. 
Yeah, and a couple things just to speak to what you said. It's why this team is where it is. One, we have we were able to mitigate some of the the negatives for Debo and Juju because we hit on Tyreek Hill and Justin Jefferson, right? Right. So that was huge. We were able to basically say, okay, these guys are our flexes. I don't think there's been a week that we haven't played four wide receivers. Um, but you can see how big of a bonus it was that we still were able to have, like currently we're sitting on Jarvis Landry and Michael Gallup as our wide receiver six and seven. We may never need to use them. Yeah. So you can see the key of being able to hit on a guy like a Lave on top of having the best player in fantasy and Tyreek on top of having Jefferson Debo and Juju. Like we were just rolling those four out of five. And we actually have a tough decision this weekend to determine which of those ones we sit, but the about the value of hitting on a lave allowed us to basically say, okay, we're going to be kind of taking gambles every week at running back and playing spray and pray with tight ends. You know, we started, different tight ends throughout the year. We have Hunter Henry right now, but it's like we we would have been looking on the waiver wire every week for a Foster Moreau, Harrison Bryant, you know what I mean? How about the one week uh, I said, hey, let's start Chig Conquo after his three for 38 in a touchdown game. And then yeah, and our zero opponent, zero. <laughs> our opponent um, needed a tight end as well, and he bid on uh, Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill, yep. That was a week we and played then, against him, and he had and Taysom, Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill went for 34. Well, and we, we actually picked up Kate Otten and started Kate Otten that week and he didn't kill us. He got like 13 points or something. So he gave yeah. us, he gave us points. So, yeah. but, I, but my whole point was we've not had to spend, we spent a little money last week on Jarvis Landry just to round out our bench. Right. Cause it was worth yeah. it with Michael Thomas going on IR. We spent like hundred bucks or something like that to get Jarvis Landry, but yeah. we haven't had to spend on receiver. Not at all. We also haven't had to spend a dime on quarterback. Tua got hurt, but it happened before Lamar Jackson's bye, so we didn't really feel it. But now we're going into the postseason. Honestly, because I've had a lot of teams that have been really successful in the main event, this team probably doesn't have the horses or the roster construction to finish like in the top 50 overall of the contest. Doesn't have the running backs. Because there are some teams out there that probably have like – Kenneth Walker and Damian Pierce, but they also have our receivers. Yeah. You know, like we're not going to be able to compete with that most likely when we get to the free for all tournament, but we've been able to basically never have to worry about receiver or quarterback all year. Yep. And, and I think that's, and, and the other thing you didn't even mention, we drafted San Fran D and wrote them out. We've basically started them every week. Maybe one week we didn't play him, and another week they were on a bye. Other than that, and, and I say this because there's a lot of other teams where, I mean, we have we have a bunch of other high-stakes teams, Jay and I, but we have six football guys. How many weeks have we gone, oh, we need a defense? Oh, we need a running back. Oh, we need a streaming quarterback because the one we had got hurt. Who do we go pick up? So, like, it, this just makes it – and obviously we got a little lucky with this team with injuries too, right? Like I, the yeah. teams that drafted – Jamar Chase instead of Justin Jefferson or Tyree Kill, like they also could smash, but he also got hurt. So if that would have happened to us, we wouldn't be in the same shape. So there's luck. But at the same time, we gave ourselves a path to where it's like, if this team is going to win, it's going to be 
we're picking one or two of the four positions probably to say we're going to stream. And I think we're a lot more comfortable streaming tight ends and running backs in the current landscape than trying to stream receivers and even quarterbacks. So just some a learning experience for us, but I honestly think we could we could probably build many teams like this. And I think this is the way you'd want to keep building them, right? The way we did this oh, year. Yeah, for sure. Yep. So I think we're gonna continue to kind of do this and the only pushback is gonna be, you know, does everybody start building them this way? Because I bet you when we maybe we'll do another episode when we get to the main event tournament, it'll be curious to see what teams are finishing at the top. And it's gonna I bet you it's gonna be a lot of uh, anchor hero RB teams that maybe hit on a Ken Walker or Damian Pierce. And it's like, holy shit, how did they get Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, AJ Brown on the same team? And then they have George Pickens and Chris Olave. Like, holy shit. And they have Jalen Hurts and Dallas mm-hmm. Goddard. You know what I mean? Like, unstoppable when you hit the right tier of players. It, you're probably not finding teams like that that are streaming quarterback and streaming tight end, most likely. So. Right. Good, good breakdown of this team, though. It's kind of cool to do a de- deconstruction of it. Hopefully, it can win some cash. Yeah, um, I'd be happy if we just get our money back. If we get our money back, I'll be happy for sure. Um, definitely want to win more than that, but um, if we can at least make the playoffs and get our money back, you know that that'll be good. So, yep. good vibes. Three weeks left. We'll update everybody in uh, three weeks. Eric will definitely let you know if. Um, we, we get knocked out or we don't make the playoffs. I'm sure he'll bring it up because it'll yeah. be a bad decision that I made. Speaking of that, what's your gut feeling saying on uh, our receiver situation this week? Because honestly, we have five receivers that have stellar matchups and we're not sitting Jefferson or Tyreek Hill. So it's Chris Olave, Debo Samuel, Juju. Like, honestly, they're all they all have good matchups this week. And it's hard right. to sit Juju with McCall Hardman out. So I think we've narrowed it down to Olave and uh, – Debo, because I don't think we're sitting right. the guy with Patrick Mahomes, right? You, you, yeah, you just no, play the guy with Mahomes. Yeah, so, yeah. and Juju's been really good. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, Olave does have a really good matchup. Like Pittsburgh's corners have been pretty bad this year, but it is on the road. I know the weather supposed up here is supposed to be shitty, so Matt might factor into it. We'll have to look it's into Andy Dalton bit. against the Steelers. Yeah, and TJ Watts coming back. Two, you got Debo at home on a Sunday night game coming off an injury. I don't know. It's kind of going to be a coin flip. I could see sitting Debo too. Just hey, let's see how he looks off of his hamstring first. You know, maybe the 49ers take it easy on him a little bit off, you know, first game back. Well, we haven't seen him with the full McCaffrey either. The only game they played together was the McCaffrey, you know, the first game that he played, you know, where he was on the the touch count or whatever. So, I mean, we really don't know what Debo or McCaffrey is going to look like. And I know Debo hasn't been getting any rushing work. So... And I don't think he's – he might get, like, one or two, but he's not going to be getting, like, five it, to eight. Is Elijah Mitchell getting activated? I saw that he was designated the return. I don't know if he's getting activated. Would that change your decision if they activated Mitchell? Because then you know damn well Devo is not getting more than one or two carries. It's probably going to be a special play versus anything designed, you know? Yeah. The one thing I somebody brought up, uh, I think it was the um, Underdog podcast, like, they talked about how Debo was – way better last year as an outside receiver. That's where he got his big shots down the field and where he got a lot of his big plays last year, and he hasn't really been doing that too much this year because he's been in the slot. 
more and and doing all that. So I'm kind of hoping maybe with that Debo will uh, get some more outside work and just kind of focus on that and hopefully he gets those big plays for us down the stretch. So yeah, definitely something that we can um, think about. I always like having like those extra Sunday night guys too. So we'll have to think about it a little bit more. If you guys hear this and want to comment, hey, who would you start, Olave or Juju? Feel free to comment um, on the post on Twitter. We'll, we definitely would like to see what you guys think about it too. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be uh, probably one that comes down to the eleventh hour in terms of us deciding who to start uh, between right. Olave and Debo. So. Good right. stuff. We'll update everybody as we go uh, the last couple weeks, three weeks till the playoffs. So if we can run the table, we're going to be in really, really good shape. So right. good stuff. So two other topics that I had to bring up here. Uh, one we, we kind of talked about pre-show was getting ahead on our rosters, like some trades that we can do. Uh, what kind of like roster management and roster, like I guess cleaning out we should be doing right now with our rosters. And also one that I kind of wanted to talk about, um, it was a discussion this morning in the Destination Debbie Discord in the Heisman tier was how to deal with tanking in your leagues. So which one do you want to talk about first, Scott? Oh, we can do the uh, we can do the roster management stuff because I think okay. we can touch on that for just a couple minutes because I think this is also a show we can do a little more in-depth as we get closer to the fantasy playoffs, mm -hmm. um, I'm not a fan of trade deadlines. Um, I know you're a little bit more uh, in support of trade deadlines than I, uh, but I don't think either of us are in support of like week 11 trade deadlines where it's so early, you know, like right, and I've seen right. some people already saying, Hey, you know, on dynasty trades in five shout out to clay and Shane, we do roster reviews, probably a dozen of those a week at least. And one of the questions we ask on the intake form is basically we just do like a 30 minute YouTube video and break down your team. But one of the questions we ask is, do you have a trade deadline? I, I think every team that's submitted a review thus far, and we've done, we're almost 200 at this point that we've done. Every single one of them is like, yes, we have a trade deadline. So I think it's very common to have trade deadlines. Uh, now there are varying lengths and different points during the season. But if you just assume that the majority of people that are playing Dynasty have trade deadlines, and a lot more of them, when we follow up with some of the people, they say, yeah, my trade deadline's week 12 or week 11. And I'm like, damn, man, that's that's a month before the playoffs start, you know? Right. Like, week, week 12 is still three weeks before your fantasy playoffs. And I know you and I are like, our trade deadlines in our leagues are like the last minute before the last the first game of the playoffs, you know what I mean? Like you can trade all the way through the last week if it helps you. And I think if you have a right, the right type of league with the right managers and you, I'll let you speak on this too, because you used to be Mr. We have to have a trade deadline. I don't want some asshole selling their whole team in the playoffs. But I also think if you have the right people in the league that are active, they're respectful, they're playing to win, they're playing for something. That's the other thing is like our USFFL leagues, we've set it up to where you're really not incentivized to ever give away stuff for free, you know? Like you have to keep people engaged enough to the point where it's like, okay, Eric, you're playing in the semifinals. You want to buy some players from me. I'm out of it. But there's really never going to be a scenario where we are like helping each other any more than we would during the season. 
You know, like you and I help each other in deals sometimes where I'll be like, Eric, I need a spot start running back this week. All right, you pay the price. You pay the third, you know, but we're both willing to kind of operate in that range where it's like, hey, it's a fair deal. I see why you're doing it. You see why I'm doing it. Let's pay the fair market price. And I think we would do the same thing in the playoffs, but never would it be, uh, I don't give a fuck about this season here. Let me trade you four starters. You know what I mean? Like you're always going to stick to your guns, even if you're out of it. You're going to say you're going to stick with like trade value principles before you're going to hand somebody a title. So I think if you have a league like that, that's healthy and everyone kind of plays that way, they're playing to win, they're playing to maximize the value on their team. It, it doesn't get abused like a lot of people think they, that, that it does. Like most people are against trade deadlines because they think oh, I'm going to make the championship and then some guy's going to buy six starters and beat me, you know, and, I, and my best team's going to go down the shitter. But I don't think that's the case. If you put together the right league with the right type of people, I'm tr- I'm telling you, it's not going to be an issue at all. So I don't know if you wanted to weigh on on that because I know you you see it a little bit more conservative than I do. Yeah, because I'm in a bunch of leagues with assholes. <laughs> Eric hates other humans, and they, and they just ruin it. They just always ruin it. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at on it. Like, yeah, sure, if I can get. 12 members of the Heisman tier league and, and do it. Maybe even them, because they just love trading, but they're going to screw it up somehow too. So I don't know. I, I, my thing is I like trading usually our, our playoffs start week 15 to 17. Now with the, the NFL schedule change. So we start week 15 to 17. Um, I like having it right up until Sunday when the, when the, um, Games are kicking off on Sunday for week 15. Right before that, 12.59, you can trade up until, and then after that, it's done. So that's kind of like what I do it. You 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 have plenty of time to trade for your players during the um, before the playoffs and get everything in the order that you need to for to make a three-week run. And then after that, you know, after the uh, week 17 games, champions crown and all that, then you, can, then you open back up trading. So I think having trading off for just three weeks out of an entire calendar. Um, yeah. The entire calendar is, is more than fair. So that's kind of where I stand on it. That's kind of like how I, how I like to do it, but I, I get it with the people um, that don't want to trade deadline at all. Like I guess trading during the playoffs does make things a little intriguing, but I think just in my experience, I'm the, I'm the one who's always getting fucked over on that. Um, personally, I, I remember the first year that me and you started doing leagues together on MFL. This is the one that it still haunts me. We had a, a really good team. Um, I believe it was the year Antonio Brown got hurt uh, towards the end of the year with that major concussion, I think. Uh, maybe it was against the Bengals or something. No, I think it was the opposite. I think it was the year Le'Veon Bell was smashing. And the guy had Levy on Bell, and he went down. And in the finals, he traded for Antonio Brown, and beat us. Okay, that's maybe, what it yeah, was. Maybe, maybe it was the other one. Okay, yeah, I thought Le'Veon got hurt. Early. I'm pretty sure it was an Antonio Brown for Levy on yeah, Bell swap. It wasn't Brown for Le'Veon, but I thought it was was Brown got the concussion late in the year because Le'Veon got his like around this time. Right now, because it was the um, well, Brown Antonio got his concussion. Was that was in the playoffs? 
because it was against the Bengals. One against the Bengals. Maybe I'm thinking of Juju had got one. Cause I remember. Nah, yeah, it was different. I, I'm almost positive it yeah, was a. Either way, yeah. Either way, it was Levy. It screwed us though. The, the guy got us. bailed out in the playoffs by buying basically a replacement stud for a stud that he would have missed severely. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and it was Le'Veon who it was whatever one it was was out for the year, and Antonio Brown or, or Le'Veon, whichever one it was, they were absolutely smashing. So like doing that one for one, like when one guy's playing and one isn't was kind of shady in my opinion. Um, just cause it's it definitely screwed us. We tried to make a trade as well. I don't remember what we, we tried to do. Um, we tried to do something to counteract it and obviously it didn't work. Um, uh, but yeah, it, I, I remember that and that one still chaps my ass to this day. And that was in like 2016. So yeah, it was. And, and I think I'm I'm with you with the compromise on doing the trade deadline at the very, very last minute Right, is fair. If, if you can't pass in your league to vote on no trade deadline, it, at least make it as late as possible. You know, give the teams that just missed the playoffs by a game, give them give them the opportunity to sell some of those players at the last minute to the contenders. Right. Versus, hey, your trade deadline is in. Someone came to me the other day. Actually, no, it was someone in the chat. It was Baskin in our DNC chat. He said his trade deadline was this week. Like, well, most of my leagues, other than the teams that are clearly tanking, like, nine or ten of the 12 teams are still in the playoffs, you know? Right, right. So, like, having to make a decision in week 10, that it's just not fun, you know what I mean? Like, that would be a league where I'd be like, yeah, we got to change this. What, what is... What is the incentive with how quickly players get hurt and how quickly changes happen week to week? What is the justification to have a trade deadline four or five weeks before the playoffs start? You know, I just the only, the only reason I think they do is because, oh, well, the NFL does it. But NFL actually does it like a little bit sooner than that, like in like week eight or whatever it was. I think they're like, oh, well, the NFL does it, you know, so we'll just do it there. Yahoo leagues, like if you ever did a Yahoo league, like their default it's like Thanksgiving. Option, yeah, their default option was like Thanksgiving, like a week 12 or whatever. So I think people have just kind of stuck with that. So that's kind of what I, where I'm at with that. Um, another, Well, I'll bring it up. I'll, we can bring this back up on the tanking. Um, yeah, let's just go to that. We, we've hit the trade deadline stuff like that. We, we'll do a more in-depth episode on roster management. And that kind of stuff as you get towards the offseason, because I do think there is a strategy once you've identified that you're not contending of exactly what to do basically with your roster. Like what does an offseason roster look like versus what does an in-season roster look like, especially if it doesn't apply to our leagues as much. But a lot of my leagues, I know a lot of your leagues, like once the season ends, it's like locked down for four months, you know, right, like right. there's no waivers or anything like that. So like you, you don't want to be sitting there in February going, oh man, you know, that guy retired and that guy's available on waivers. Let me try to pick him up. Like you want to already be setting yourself up for that stuff during the regular season. Even if you're in the playoffs, honestly, like there's no reason to have six quarterbacks in the playoffs. You know, right. you're not going to use all six. So there's a, there's an off season roster mode that you kind of get into and it's only going to affect like 10 to 20% of your team but I'd rather be ahead of the 10 to 20% of my team than being stuck with, mm -hmm. I mean, how many, how many times do we see rookie draft time? And it's like, yeah, that guy cut a retired player. You know what I mean? Like we already cut the retired player before Shit, we knew he was going to retire. 
there's people still cutting retired players now. I, I, I know, but, but I'm saying there's guys we already are like, yeah, we right, know. Yeah. Like, like for instance, a guy like Latavius Murray, we will probably still cut him after this season, right? Because yeah. like the odds he gets back to where he is now, which is really nowhere, is really low. And there's a really high chance he's like, fuck it, I'm retiring. So like right. that's kind of he's kind of a deadweight player that 90% of dynasty managers will still have next July, you know, and then they'll cut him when he's retired. So yeah. anyway. Yeah, no, that's that's 100%. And then we are also going to talk a little bit about like these wide receivers that you can never trade anything for. Like you can't even get a fourth round pick for him. So mm-hmm. like the Ben Skoranek, um Richie James, Greg Richie, Dorch, yeah, Tylen Wallace. You're probably carrying those guys because you could have used them during the season. Khalif Raymond, those types. Like you might have just have them on the back of your roster. But I mean, what are you doing with those kind of guys? Even if you're like a quasi contender, do you start cutting those guys after a lot of the bye weeks go by anyway? Um, yeah, I mean, it depends. Like, if they're still getting some run, I'll do it. But, like, there's some guys, like, right now that I'm carrying that are going to be fairly useful for the rest of the year, but I'm going to drop them at the end, like Khalif Raymond. I don't see any future with him, but he's, like, the number two wide receiver on Detroit right now for the foreseeable future. So I'm going to hold on to him until... You know, they either get healthy, you know, the other guys get healthy, or he just, I'll just drop him at the end of the season. But like guys like that. Demarcus will, Robinson, I'm holding on to, but as soon as the season ends, he's, he's a fucking goner. I actually dropped him in a couple leagues this week because, um, like he had his shot this week against the Saints and didn't do shit then. So I'm like, there's no point in having him either. Like, so these guys that you could just never trade anything for. You know, I'll get rid of them. This is where I'll also pick up some running backs, too. So, like, you know, Malik Davis is probably on a lot of waiver wire, especially coming off of a bye week. He's the third running back on Dallas. You know, that's a guy I'll pick up um, and drop Skoranek or Demarcus Robinson, guys like that, because I think Malik Davis has a a decent future, especially if Pollard leaves in in free agency this offseason, which is a very good possibility. That's another thing you got to look at, too. Like, oh, okay, these these running backs are leaving in free agency uh, this coming year. Maybe this guy finally gets a shot. Like, he hasn't done anything all year like Malik Davis. Um, You know, who's to say Dallas, you know, they love Zeke. Maybe they let Pollard go for whatever dumb reason, for, you know. Rico Doddle can't stay healthy. And there's a realistic possibility that Malik Davis is the RB2 on Dallas next year. And that's proven to be a very good role. So guys like that, I want to get ahead on those guys and, and pick up guys like that. I, I think you agree as well. Yeah, I mean, I have 27 Malik Davises in Dynasty. And you probably have all the ones that I don't have. And I think people get a little bit um, warped in what we're talking about here. You just recommended people pick up Malik Davis for a potential receiver that you could put in your lineup. Now, it's probably a shitty lineup if you're starting Khalif Raymond or Demarcus Robinson, but stuff happens. But here's the other thing that I think is going to go kind of unspoken about what you said. I, I don't even agree with you that Malik Davis is the number two necessarily because I think he's just a guy. He has a possibility. Right, but here's the thing. Malik Davis has a very good chance at entering next season as a running back on their 53-man roster. 
and that is going to be worth a future roster spot. So right. why would you not try to speculate on some of those right now that have been dropped because they are seen as roster cloggers, whereas next August or next July, guess what we're going to be looking for? Any running back that made a team, right? Yep. So like you can get one for free, and Malik Davis may never be startable in three years that he's in the NFL, not even once. But being able to use that in a roster spot versus God knows some of the stuff I see people carrying, yeah, you know, Ben Skoranek and like, I still question myself on why am I still carrying Nikhil Harry that I've picked up off of waivers mm-hmm. everywhere. The Brian Edwards you see on every team. Um, yeah. Amari Rogers for the Packers. Like he's like halfway dead. Yep. Yeah, all all like, of those we could go through and we'll do this in another show. We could go yeah. through and look at, We'll Literally the running backs that are on practice squads right now that might have been brought up and then dropped back down a couple times. Clearly they've shown that they have earned at least a role of next year we're going to give them a shot to make the team, right? That That's what they've already proven. And those are the type of players I want to roster into the offseason. Now Malik Davis could get completely cucked between January and August. They could draft two running backs. They could sign another guy and he gets cut in training camp. That's very possible. But I'd rather have him throughout that whole period of time than going through and carrying even some of the roster clogger receivers that I'm currently rostering right now because I'm still hanging on to them. Like they, there's a shot that guys like Greg Dorch is a roster clogger. Robbie Anderson is a roster clogger. Isaiah McKenzie could be a roster clogger if he's not. He's absolutely a roster clogger if he's not on the Bills. You know, like, right. so, like, those spots, people were really usually way behind on making those moves. Um, and we'll talk about that more on a future show because I think it applies to other positions. It applies to tight end. It applies to quarterback, especially. Um, it'll kind of give the listeners some insight on how we run our teams. Yeah, we kind of did our um, that depth chart porn episode uh, earlier mm-hmm. in the year. I think we can do that again, like after week eighteen. That could be like one of our first episodes of how to. Uh, maybe we'll do that for the week eighteen. Uh, that's a that's a great idea because it's basically yeah. you're reassessing what the depth charts look like now, right? What yeah. they're you're trying to figure out what you think they might look like in the spring when it, we get to free agency. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a great idea. Let's plan for that week eighteen. Okay. Yeah, and like uh, another couple guys that I've seen getting cut in all my leagues, and I still really like them are Miles Gaskin and Salvin Ahmed. Like on the same team, they haven't been given a shot at all. I would expect that they are released or find another home next year, but I think those guys could still play in the NFL and still be really good. Like, you know, Miles Gaskin could be the backup on a lot of teams, and I think he'd probably be like their best running back. Like, He's better than Dontrell Hilliard. I'd rather have him on than uh, on the Titans than I would Dontrell Hilliard. You know, like a Miles Gaskin type. You know, somebody like that. So, um, I've seen Gaskin get dropped in a few leagues already because he has like seven fantasy points on the year, and I'll pick him up and just stash him. So that that's definitely a guy I'd look at. So if you see some of those guys that like, man, this guy shouldn't be on waivers, go ahead and pick them up and like just drop those wide receivers that just have no value like you know you can't get anything for them in a trade not even like five dollars a fab you know like like the ben skoranek's and stuff like that like might as well get ahead on it drop them now and pick up that running back especially when you know you're not going to even 
roster Skoranek or use him at all the rest of the season. So that's kind of what this um, discussion was about. Yeah, I mean, we can go through a bunch of names. Like another guy that I picked up a ton in the last month or so that he, he got cut in a lot of leagues was Justin Jackson. Right. Boom. Craig Reynolds goes out. Swift starts getting banged up. Justin Jackson's a guy that I could see by the end of the year because the Lions are so freaking bad that like week 16, they're just starting Justin Jackson. They're being like, this guy's just a guy. Let's just give him all the touches and beat his ass up. We're not going to, why are we going to give DeAndre Swift touches when we're two and 13? You know what I mean? Right. right. And then I'm like, oh, cool. I have a playoff starter and it's Justin fucking Jackson that other people (laughs) cut because he was the number four. Right. Um, well, two things. What you know? What happened when uh, a month ago when Jordan Howard signed with the Saints? Me and you picked him up pretty much everywhere. I had I cut him in like a couple where I needed the roster spot, but most of the ones I did, I I held on to him, and he finally played last week. Mark Ingram's been banged up. He's better than Dwayne Washington, so like Jordan Howard's like the second running back on the Saints now. So that's a worthy. Spot. And he's like the lowest common denominator of what right. we're talking about. But yeah. you and I still were like, oh, he gets signed to a practice squad. Cool, let's pick yeah. him up. And then you give him a month, and if there's another one better that comes along, you pick him up and you drop him. But mm-hmm. it. It's not waiting until it, to play this way. You have to grind, but you also can't wait until they're like, and I think this is part of the information edge that we talked about last week with Mike and Adam. You can't wait until the team goes, yep, uh, Jordan Howard is our backup this week. Because then you go and you look at him for on your waiver wire. Guess how many times he's out there? None. Mm, yeah. Smart so like all, all these all these engagement tweets, it's like, oh, this running back got injured. Go pick this guy up. It's like, dude, if you're playing in leagues with us, our rosters are, you know, we have 18 of these running backs on our team. So, like, you're not going to get them. I may not use them. They may not be usable. But I'm certainly not carrying, you know, 60% of my roster with roster clogger receivers. So, anyway, I'm excited for this episode, and it's a month away. <laughs> right. Or longer than um, that shit. It's two months away. Yeah. How about... um just a quick story. There's one guy that fits this mold perfectly that you started um, in the championship week in pretty much like all your leagues because you had like 18 to 20 shares of him and he won you so much money. Um, I think it was like three or four years ago was DeAndre Washington for the Raiders that yeah. one year. He, he went crazy in week 17 and uh, he got the start. I don't know if it was Jacobs got hurt or whoever was before him, but um, he's Scott started Deandre Washington in like 18 leagues in his championships and Deandre Washington had like 120 yards and a touchdown and a bunch of PPR points and basically won him a bunch of championships and Deandre Washington wasn't a guy you couldn't really roster all year, but people dropped him. Um, Scott had him and picked him up and won a bunch of money with him. So you can definitely find guys like that that can win you some money. Justin Jackson is a perfect example. You know, if Swift keeps getting banged up, they're out of it. They just rest him for the rest of the year. Then, oh, no, Jamal Williams gets hurt too. Who are we turning to? Well, it's Justin Jackson. And Justin Jackson's getting 25 to 30 carries on a team that just wants to run the ball. So, yeah, Justin Jackson's another one. Perfect example of a guy that – this year in in a month and a half could be a league winner. Yeah, it doesn't always work out, but a lot of times it does. You know, some of these veterans that you think are just going to be afterthoughts because they're not a young player, that doesn't necessarily work at the running back position. So 
just keep this kind of stuff in mind. I mean, for every DeAndre Washington, there's also a Mike Boone that you start in the fantasy playoffs and he gives you a two. And if you started him in 12 leagues, he pissed you off. That's the risk that you have when you play this way. But just think about this stuff when you're looking at players that get cut. There's scenarios out there where you go, all right, this team's going to be out. It's almost like the opposite of what we were talking about earlier with our redraft league. Like there's going to be teams that are out of it that may just turn to a guy like Justin Jackson. And they're just like, you know what? We need someone to go out there and just get his ass pounded, you know, for the, for this game. And you're going to be the guy. Cause we actually don't want to put any wear and tear on Swift. We don't even want to put any wear and tear on Jamal Williams because we're paying him next year too. And we like him. You're even like on a lower end than he is. So get out there and absorb bunch of carry. So like, you know, I could see at the end of the year where like Daryl Williams is getting a start because the Cardinals just don't give a shit. And they're like, oh, two other running backs are hurt. You go out there and start. We paid you a million dollars. Give us something. Fill, fill some sort of useful role this year for that million that we paid you. Get out there and get your ass beat. 20 carries, you know, like, but everyone's like, oh, Daryl Williams, he's dead. He, I'll see him getting dropped in a lot of leagues, you know? So, well, I think he just, went on IR, but that's why. No, but he could come back. Right. And right. still, you know, week 17, you could be starting Daryl Williams. And you, that's the point. They put him on IR now, and you think, oh, he's, he's at least the number four running back until the end of the year when he's not. And they need somebody to go take 18 carries, and it's him. Right. So just keep that in mind because you would never know when that's going to happen. It can happen at any week. Yeah, and another one about five years ago was Tim Hightower for the Saints. Mm-hmm. That one year, he did the same thing. I think he was with the Saints that year. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that was another one too. Uh, all right, so the last topic that I mentioned earlier, and we can kind of come back to the uh, trade deadline stuff with this one too, is how to deal with, like, tanking in your leagues. So – my approach with tanking is I don't I'm not going to be able to sit there and tell you, hey, you can't start this player this week or uh, why are you sitting Tyree Kill and you're playing Danny Amendola over him or something like that. You know, clearly uh, you're not you should never sit Tyree Kill. But hey, if you want to sit Tyree Kill and play Danny Amendola, then go ahead. Like I shouldn't be able to tell you that, but I think in all leagues you should at least be starting someone that's at least active every single week. Uh, no no starting guys that are injured or have been out, like, all week long. And, like, you know, like, Darren Waller's been out since Tuesday or whatever. He got put on IR. Um, you know, some of these other guys that get ruled out, like, midweek already, you know, didn't practice at all that week. You shouldn't be starting any of those types of players. So I think – in my leagues, like like I was saying, <clears throat> I'll start all active players. Make sure you're doing that. Don't be starting guys that are, you know, out all week long or on IR. Or one league we had somebody starting, like, a literal free agent that wasn't even on a team. Like, don't be doing that kind of stuff. Uh, but as long as you're starting an active roster, I, I don't have too much of a problem with it. Now there's ways to combat it, too. Um, so like in our USFL best ball leagues that we've talked about on here as well, what me and Scott have set up is I think a fairly decent way to stop people from tanking. So what it is, is it's just like any other normal, uh, playoff system. It's going to be one, one through six, but this is going to be the bottom six and the worst team and the second worst team get the buys. So the worst, um, that they can do is, uh, 
103 and 104 because you're playing for your draft picks in this bottom tier bracket that we set up. So those bottom teams, one and two, will get the buys. Uh, three will play six, and four will play five, just like you normally would. So whoever was um, the third worst team would play the team that just missed the playoffs. And basically it makes those teams have to win three games in a row against these bottom teams to uh, get that 101 spot. So if you just missed the playoffs and you're the, the sixth worst team, you have a shot to still get the 101, but you still have to win three weeks in a row to do it. Um, and it also stops the 101 team from completely shitting the bed with their roster and having gutting it and having nothing because, oh shit, now I got to play and I have to win two games in a row just to even get the 101. So you got to kind of um, bank on that a little bit that you can't just completely kill your roster. You got to have enough players and spots starts or and whatnot to be able to um feel the team that's going to be capable of putting up some points and winning there um in those last couple weeks so i think that's fair and that also brings up to the um what we were talking about earlier with with no trade deadline like i like having it that and no trade deadline in those leagues because that allows you know the uh the worst team hey i need a running back or receiver just to win this week uh, so I can advance to get the 101. So it encourages more, um, you know, league activity for those for every team because they're all playing for something. You're all playing for a draft pick. So that's kind of how I like doing it. Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that? Because we we've kind of set that up in our USFL leagues. Yeah, I mean, I think the way we have it set up makes it to where everyone knew it going in. They can form their strategy from the get go. You know, you really can never prepare to tank, per se. You got to be creative. There's there's ways to creatively tank where you kind of tank enough to get out of the playoffs. But then, you know, if you are if you know you're going to miss the playoffs, like I could see you, and I, I know we've had this discussion with a couple people in the league, like in the, one of the leagues, I'm right in the fringe. I'm like the fifth seed right now. Now I've won a couple in a row, so I'm probably going to end up finishing like top three. But if you're in fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth place in that type of format, you may be better off missing the playoffs because you know you actually have a better reward if you end up getting that 101 because you're going to have a team that's going to be able to win the 101, right? That's not the case in a lot of leagues. A lot of leagues you would say, well, there's really no incentive to miss the playoffs by one spot. Whereas here, you're the number one seed if you do that. So I think that matters. Having it set up that way, everybody knows it. You can't be like, oh, you didn't tell me about this. This is BS. I... You know, I gutted my team. I'm 0 and 18 with a 0 and 99 all play record, and I'm not going to get a top three pick because I have literally not enough players to set a lineup. Right. So nobody can say they didn't know. Now, I think where this gets a little sticky is you don't clearly define it from the beginning, and then you have people doing different stuff throughout the years of the league, and you're having to, as a commish, police it on the fly. Like, okay, this isn't fair, but this is fair. Uh, you, you did this on purpose and then someone else did it on accident. You know, their wife has a baby on Sunday morning. They miss a player in their lineup. Should they get penalized? Uh The same as the guy that literally checked his lineup a half hour before and still started, you know, Isaiah Crowell when he's not on a roster that, you know, that kind of stuff. Like are the punishments created the same? So I think you need to define in the bylaws, if you're setting up a new league, think of a lot of scenarios and just pick a lane and go with it. And if people find a way around your bylaws, 
you know, you, you got to go through whatever league procedures you have to change rules. You can always put in, I, I joked in the discord, like you have one of those commissioner clauses where it's like, Eric, the commish can do whatever the hell he wants if it's in the best interest of the league. And if you have somebody that found a loophole in the bylaws that he wrote, because Eric's not a fucking attorney, you know, he's not covering every scenario when he's setting up a league. If he finds somebody's exploiting something, he can close the loophole quickly until it gets so it doesn't get out of hand. But I think you have to really address this issue beforehand. Because we talk about this. We talked about this on the show last week. You and I strategize about this stuff all the time. We're always talking about ways that we can gain any sort of extra value or extra edge. And a lot of times that includes the tanking way. You know, when you get to a point where your team's out of it, you're thinking of how do I maximize value and how do I take value away from other teams? Not by cheating or colluding or anything, but you know, what can I do? We talked about it a couple weeks ago. Like you have teams that are out of it. I, I flat out will just send free points to other teams. So then my potential points goes lower than theirs. Mm. And you might think, oh, well, that's colluding, right? I'm giving you free players, but I can sit there and go, no, that's not colluding. That's literally me strategizing a way to get my pick from the 103 to the 102. And you're telling me that's not worth me throwing you three dipshit roster cloggers that are going to increase your potential points by 30 over the next six weeks. Right. Yeah. But, but you know what? A lot of people would, if you took that straight meaning from somebody's bylaws, they might be like, yeah, that's not in the great spirit of the game. Right. But I can explain to you why I'm doing it. So I think you have to have this stuff clearly defined. Uh, and then the other thing is you, you need to have, a certain level of like communication with the rest of the league too. Like I know there's a couple times in our leagues you've had to step in and literally punish people because they're not following the rules. Right. Like you, you have to be accountable as a commissioner. You have to be willing to say, okay, I'm going to step in and take care of this stuff and address it and police it. Even if it means you have to remove somebody because it's the same person that's just inactive or they're neglecting something like sometimes it's the better of the league to get rid of that person. You know what I mean? And how many times in our six years of commission leagues have we stepped in and been like, yep, we're just going to reduce the payment for this team or you and I'll just pay for the team and go fill it. Cause that's actually worth, you know, if I have to pay 50 bucks to fill a team out of my own pocket, that is actually better for me as a commish sometimes than dealing with a problem owner that you're constantly having to police and is constantly asking you to, you know, change this or change that. So I think you just have to get in a good sync with people, make it clear in the bylaws, and then from, uh, you know, let me ask you this, because I know you're passionate about it. Where do you stand on this from the active player scenario for somebody that is playing Chad Henney over Patrick Mahomes? Is that a gray area for you? Because, I mean, they can say oh, Chad Henney's active, Eric. Look, he's not an inactive. Mm. He's active on the game day roster. Like, is that a gray area for you? Is that something you'd have to define in the bylaws? Or would that be more of like a spirit of the game type of thing? Because that's something that you would say by your definition is not tanking. Right. The dude has, you know, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, and they start Tyler Huntley and Chad Henney. And they're going to say, dude, I followed the bylaws. But then we saw it in the Discord this morning. There would be some people that'd be like, that's fucking bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, right. that that's clearly not in the spirit of the rules. So where do you stand on that? Yeah, like we have that scenario in our NFFL league uh, that we can commission. Um, it's one of our good friends, actually, Chris Langsbury. He's 
0-18 on the year, and he's starting. Um, he has Justin Herbert and his other quarterback that he throws out every week is Brandon Allen or Chad Henney. You go down to his his uh, taxi, he's got Mac Jones, he's got Trey Lance. So he could have easily been playing Mac Jones or Trey Lance um, at some point. He also has Kyle Pitts on his uh, on his taxi. He's got Brees Hall on his taxi. Obviously, like, Trey and, and Brees are out for the year, so that neglects it a little bit. But, like, he could have been playing Mac Jones and, and Justin Herbert all year, but no, he's been playing Brandon Allen or Chad Henney um, over it. So... So say there's no taxi though, because I think the taxi yeah. is another thing where you he can say, listen, I knew there was a taxi. That league we allow taxi players for two years, so right. the, he's not breaking any rules. But let's say there's no taxi. Let's say it's just a normal league, no taxi squad. So mm. you, there's no place to hide players. What? Where would you feel then on doing I mean, those backups? I personally think you should start an active quarterback if you know he is active as in as is in starting. Like you know Mahomes is starting over Chad Henney. Like I think you should be playing those quarterbacks. But you know, it's the same with wide receivers. Like, okay, Tyreek Hill's playing this week, but you know what? I'm gonna start Khalif Raymond over Tyreek Hill and I'm gonna bench Tyreek Hill. Like I'm going I, Trent Sherfield over Tyreek Hill because I think yeah. he's gonna take his job tomorrow. Right, yeah, like, somebody can say that. We both know, like, 99.9% Tyreek Hill is, is the one there and is going to smash, but, you know, I, I can't police that. So it's it's the same with, like, wide receivers and running backs. Like, I know you should be playing Tyreek Hill. He's the one of the best wide receivers in all of football. You should be playing him and not benching him for a Trent Sherfield or a Khalif Raymond or whoever. But... I can't police that, so I shouldn't be able to police the quarterbacks either. That's kind of how I've I've thought about it. Though I personally do think you should be playing that the starting active quarterback um, over like a bench guy if you can. Like I understand, like if you have a bunch of guys on by and there's nobody to pick up, and like you just start some random backup quarterback. I get that, you know, but. If you have an active starting quarterback and he is starting, I think you should play him. But yeah, like like we said, I haven't had anybody like really complain about that in my leagues yet. I'm sure it, it is a little shady, a little shitty, I guess. But yeah, I, like I said, I I just can't. I I don't want to police who you start and don't start as long as they're an active player, um, and they're not like ruled out before the game or whatnot. Then I'm fine with it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. That's where I stand on it too, because you can't, you can't go down this slippery slope. Yeah, you can't of, police one position and not police the other. Or you know, I've seen. I was just looking at league bylaws the other day for a different league, not one that you're in, and it was very strict. Like it was very well written. It was very strict, but it was basically like, at all times, you need to be running your team to maximize the weekly points and make the most optimal roster decision from a sit-start standpoint at all times. Like, it was very explicit. At almost as explicit as you could say, Eric, you need to be on top of trying to optimize and maximize your team in the lineup every week. Right. Yet that's also a league that has a taxi squad. And I look at the taxi squad, myself in that league, I have Garrett Wilson on my taxi squad. So technically, I'm breaking the bylaws every week when I'm starting... Nico Collins over Garrett Wilson, you know, or even worse. I mean, I'm starting 
some bottom feeding receivers over Garrett Wilson. So like I'm breaking the bylaws, but no one's ever said anything. They understand what I'm doing with a taxi squad. There's a reason there's a five person taxi squad. They use potential points. So everyone hides players on the taxi squad when they don't want the points. Yet the bylaws conflict with the way they have other rules set up. So like if you're going to really police that type of activity, then don't have a taxi squad and don't have a potential point leak. You know, like one conflicts with the other because then I'm going to say, listen, you're setting the league up from a strategy perspective for me to take advantage of the potential points. But then you have another rule that says I can't take advantage of potential points because I need to be starting those guys. So like it really, you're you're get, you're putting yourself in a tough spot as a commish because, you know, one person's sit start decision could be Eric could be like you're an idiot, and then the other one could be like, well, it was kind of a a, a sixty forty thing, and maybe I went with based on what was in my opponent's lineup, or maybe I you know, didn't start Deontay Foreman and I planned on maybe starting Deion Jackson this week. I didn't know Deion Jackson was going to be out, but I didn't want to start a running back in a fucking tropical storm. So I didn't, but you're not going to be able to be like, you're an idiot. You shouldn't have started. You shouldn't have started that guy over that guy. Cause now, you know, you don't have somebody else to play. Like that's where you get into this. A, you don't have the time, but B it's not fair to, to be like, you made a choice and, you just have to have confidence that people are making those choices in the spirit of the game to some degree. And when I mean spirit, spirit of the game is I don't care if you are quote unquote tanking, you need to be able to explain to me or at least justify your strategy. If you can do that and it's within the rules, I think we're both like, we're not going to hammer somebody that starts the Tyler Huntley over Lamar Jackson, you know, like it's, it, it's one, it, it, it is what it is. Like, we're not going to step in and say, nope, that was a bad decision. Cause where does it stop? You know, where do you start policing people's choices in life? So, so a couple more questions. Do you prefer, um, for a tiebreaker or just setting the lineup? Do you prefer potential points or points scored or, record with a tiebreaker of like points scored or potential points, anything like that. I, I like potential points, but I think I also like potential points because it's more easily exploitable for people that pay attention. Like there's some leagues where I, I wish it was potential points, but then I look and I'm like, damn, it's not potential points. You know, I, I have a couple teams where like, I'm not going to make the playoffs, but a lot of that is just either injuries or, I actually had a team that was like too good for its own good, meaning like it's a start 10 and I have a lot of good players, but not enough like league winning players. So my potential points is like top four in the league yet I'm four and five. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to get screwed if I miss the playoffs in those leagues because I'm going to get the one Oh six because my potential points is higher than the teams that maybe they lucked out and had a better record than me, but it's like they missed the playoffs, but their team doesn't have any depth and it has low potential points. So I, I like it in regard to if I can plan on it, I might adjust some things a little quicker than everybody else to get me closer to the bottom. Like that would be the league where I'd start shedding a lot of those shitty players when I knew I wasn't going to probably be a top four team Mm -hmm. and I would be doing it quicker. You know, you saw me in some leagues like week five, I'm already dumping guys. You know what I mean? Like, "Eh, this is not going to work out. Let me get, let me get to the bottom quicker before everyone tries to get to the bottom. But, I think potential points gets tricky when you start getting into taxi squads too. 
Because then you just you just flat out exploit it. You yeah, just flat out take take studs and you put them on your taxi. And we have leagues like that, and you're yeah. you're doing it yourself. I mean, yeah. So I don't really care I, as long as it's clearly defined. I think it is more fair to do it some sort of mix of the two because potential points, you know, it doesn't truly reflect who the good teams and the bad teams are. You have some teams that are lowest in potential points, but I'm like, they're not the worst team. You're just hiding the points better than everybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you get into, I I guess the argument against getting rid of that is how many of our leagues do you actually set the schedule? Or do you just hit fucking random, right? Yeah, I think in all our leagues, we just hit random or we just let it roll over from the year before. So is it really fair if you hit randomize on the schedule and you ended up playing Huntrell twice and I didn't? Do you think that that's really fair to say it should be based on record or points against or do you know what I mean? Like we're randomizing something from the beginning of the league. Why would we then not have some sort of random element determining the draft order you know so i can see the argument for both what do you, what do you prefer i would prefer just to go with potential points but i know a lot of people when you bring that word up you know that's like a, a four-letter swear word when you say potential points <laughs> right i mean yeah like like you said in a couple of our leagues i'm doing the same thing i have algier Brees hall brian robinson rashad white trey mcbride on my taxi um like last year, I, I think I may have threw Najee on my uh, taxi for a little bit. Najee was doing really good. So, yeah, I, I've done that in a few of my leagues. And, you know, you're just keeping those potential points down. And then I'm also going to the extreme on dropping a lot of those players who are like just don't mean anything on your roster. Um, they're not going to have any value at all. And I'm just holding on to like guys that I like that I think could have like maybe a future. Or on this team, I've actually picked up. I have I have ten backup quarterbacks or ten quarterbacks on the roster. Um, the only one I'm starting every week right now is PJ Walker, but and Deshaun Watson is on my bench too. Uh, so I've been missing him all year. But I have Trevor Simeon, Nick Mullins, Colt McCoy, uh, Baker Mayfield, and Darnold, Chad Henney, Chase Daniel, CJ Beathard. So I've picked up all of these quarterbacks who are definitely not going to play. They're the backups. But you know what? If Trevor Lawrence goes down, Justin Herbert goes down, here I am sitting with C.J. Beathard and Chase Daniel, and I can flip those guys to somebody for a third-round pick or or whatever and actually gain some value. So that's kind of what I like doing personally is if I can cut a lot of my dead weight off my rosters um, that have no NFL future really and I can pick up a backup quarterback that could, you know, if something happened to the starter – I have an asset that people are going to want because it's a quarterback in a super flex league and I can trade them for a third round pick or, or whatever, uh, an upgrade somewhere. So that's kind of like what I um, like doing. So let me ask you this. This is a pushback on potential points. If you do potential points and we don't, I don't believe we have this in a lot of our bylaws. So let's say you do potential points. Do you require people maximize the number of players on their team? 
Because um, I've seen where it's like it's 30-man rosters and it's potential points, and a dude has 19 players, and he's not even trying to fill his team with anybody. He's right. just basically setting a lineup, and that's it. But I'm like, yeah, you're getting an advantage because your potential points is you, you literally have 11 open roster spots. Now, you're probably stupid to do that because you're missing out on some running backs or quarterbacks that you could flip, but it also isn't fair to the teams that are literally trying to do both. You know, they're maximizing their roster spots, but they're also not carrying 11 empty spots either. Like they're trying to do both. They're trying to maximize their potential points, but they're also at least filling their roster spots. So like, do you think that should also be a requirement? Like you have to be, if it's 32 man rosters, you have to have at least like 28 or more at all times, like something like that. Yeah, I think you're uh, completely right. I think that's something that we should revisit um, and put those in our, our bylaws this coming year and just not even vote on it. Just do the dictator fucking rule and just throw it in there, and this is what it is, and you got to like it. So, And, yeah, and do those guys have to be on rosters? Because I could see where someone's like, oh, I have to technically carry 30? All right, I'm just going to go pick up a bunch of retired players. Um, yeah, I would say at least on a, on a practice squad or an active player. Yeah. I think that should be a requirement. Cause like, but there's also like some people, like, I know you just picked them up. Will Fuller in the league. He ain't fucking playing this year or anybody. So, you know, that's one of those things where it's like, are you going to police the person that picks up Will Fuller and, you know, whoever that's still retired, they come back, but you, Oh, Adrian Peterson, he's going to come back again for the 19th time, you know, something like that. Yeah, hey, hey, Eric, you need to you need to fill those roster spots. And then all of a sudden we refresh and he's picking up Todd Gurley, Adrian Peterson, Le'Veon Bell, you know, like I, that's one of those things. Like, do you, do you really want to have to define all of this shit in your bylaws? Yeah, I, I get that too. I think at least having active players that are on a, on a roster, or at least on a on a practice squad. Now I know on like NFL, it won't show that they're on a a practice or a practice squad or whatever. It'll just say free agent. But you know, I can easily look that up. Hey, is this guy on a practice squad? I don't. I think that's that's more fair, or at least make the attempt to do it. Like. You know, if you're missing only if you're missing two roster spots, like I'm not going to eat your lunch for that. But if you're missing like 10, OK, I'm going to get on you about it. So I think there's a there's a way to be lenient on it. Like, all right, I'm not going to, you know, chew your ass out just because you're missing two roster spots. But, yeah, if you got like 10, 12, you know, like uh, Purple Haze did a couple years ago on us in a couple of our leagues, he had like 11 players or whatever. And his quarterbacks were ancient (laughs) Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're, listen, as long as the person can explain why they're doing it, then I'm typically okay with it. But there's definitely some correlation to someone that you look at their roster and it's like, wow, you know, you have eight open roster spots. That's probably also the same guy that doesn't respond to trades that doesn't answer in the chat, you email them or you ask them like, Hey, what's going on? Like you missed something in your lineup last week, or, you know, you have eight empty roster spots. Are you going to fill them? That's probably the person that's not on top of it to begin with. So like, it's a, it's a catch 22. If you're a commissioner in a league, you don't want to have too many people like that because it drags the whole league down. It's just a dead spot. 
if you're a player in a league, and this is where this is another topic where it comes down to kind of like ethics and dynasty. Like if I'm a player in the league and I am not the commish and I want to win, like, yeah, there's a degree where I want to have an active league with everybody trading and all that kind of stuff. But in the short term, I don't hate if there's a guy that's missing eight roster spots because you know what? He's probably doing a lot of other behaviors. He has no chance to beat me. You know what I mean? Like there's probably a lot of other things. If you're letting it get to that point, it's like the people we see that are still dropping, you know, Andrew Luck, you know, like th- that guy's probably not on top of his dynasty game to where he's grinding out every trade and every roster spot and that stuff like we are. So the odds that he's probably just beating us year after year after year is like zero. He might catch a run of luck where he has a better team for a year. But if you're letting things like that happen, that, that's probably the manager that you're going like, what is Eric's? What do you always say? What's a what's the big D word that you always throw out there? Uh, donation. Wait, what? Donation. Oh, donation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for the donation. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So you want you we like to have donators in leagues sometimes, but anyway, yeah, we, we have could a few of those in our leagues. Yeah, we could go off the rails on this, but it, it is one of those things where it's like if you're a commission commission's a tireless job. Like you want to make it as easy as possible to set up your bylaws, but you can't cover for all this. So it's just constantly evolving and making it better. So the one, one final part on this before we uh, end the show here. Um, So we adopted this from one of our other leagues that we were in last year that ended up closing. But do you like um, having to play for your draft pick? Like everybody, every single week, all the way up until week 17 is playing for their draft spot, basically. I mean, yeah, and this one you were talking about, it was extreme. Every playoff team had to play for right. every single pick. So it was it was a 16-teamer, and it was basically, you know, 101 through 108 you played for. It was a tournament. You played for every spot. If you lost, you played the consolation game for the spot. If you lost that, you played another consolation game for the spot. So literally you played all the way through the end. Every team played to the end until you were playing for one specific pick. And it made it so you, we definitely thought about draft picks a little bit differently there. We have, we valued the teams that were like middle of the pack. We valued their picks more than anybody else. It's like, man, if I can get three first and they didn't make the playoffs, but they're not, you know, the the Huntrell, then I I have a really good shot of getting the one-on-one. Yeah, so I kind of like that. Two one zero three, something like that. Right. You, you just have to announce that from the beginning. It's just like the USFFL. Like you're, you have a different way of getting to the picks. It, that, like the Hunger Games of Dynasty. You know what I mean? Like you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're gonna play for everything. You're gonna play for survival every single week, even if it's just a toilet bowl pick or, you know, one of those consolation picks. Like yeah. So I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay like with it. that. Yeah, and and I like it where like, if you're like Hunter Huntrell's team. And your team is completely dog shit. You don't have, you have thirty five Devi players on it and like five active NFL players, and you can't even field a roster every single week, barely until I yell at you about it. But hi, Huntrell. Yeah, if you're listening, <laughs> I doubt it. Um, but you you do this all year long, and you're zero in eighteen or whatever the hell he is right now. It hasn't even won a game um, in the all play at all he's 0 and 99 so far this year you haven't even won a game at all but hey when it comes playoff time 
okay, well, you're going to lose all your playoff games too. You're going to be drafting 104 there. So, you know, that's that's going to be your worst pick. Like, I, you get the first round by because you're the worst team in the league, so that's fine. But you got to win. You got to win two games to even get your 101. So I think that's fair. Like you're still gonna pick at least 104. So it's not like you're like completely out of it. But the difference between like like even this year, um, the difference between 101 and 104. You know, Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. You know, or Traylon Burks or whoever you wanted at 104. Like that's a pretty big difference. Um, this and like this year's draft. Um, so it, it could definitely make the difference. Like I, I like it. It makes you not tank so much. Like you at least have to have a competitive team. Like, okay, injuries happen and stuff. So, you know, you just have bad luck. Okay. That happens. Maybe you get healthy and then you can make a run there at the end, but completely tanking and just being a, basically a free bye week for every single team in the league. I hate that. Like, I think you should at least be competitive. So I don't know. That's kind of how my thoughts on it. Well, and one last point, rule correlation. If you're going to set it up like we did in USFFL, that's not a league you have a trade deadline. Right, right, yeah. Because that correlates every single week. Right. You you can't expect the Toilet Bowl teams, and I'm in some leagues where the Toilet Bowl is the 101. Yeah. So you can't do that. Make people play for their picks, but then go, oh, you have to, you can't trade past week 12. Right. Yeah. No, I agree with that. That was one of our caveats to do on this format was make sure there was no trade deadline at all. So, no, I agree with that 100 percent. Yeah, But a lot of times you see one thing like that and then there's, you know, it's like you're really you're really putting people in a pickle with some of these rules to where it's like it it can be not fun. So think about that. I know we kind of went off the rails a little bit on talking about bylaws and stuff, but every dynasty league deals with this stuff, whether it's in writing or whether they've been doing it for 15 years and They've clearly experienced some headaches or loopholes throughout the years. And it's like, how many times have you heard people say, oh, yeah, this sucks. It's stupid, but nobody in the league will vote to change it. Like, you have to be able to articulate that to your league. Like, hey, guys, we have a toilet bowl for the 101. Why the fuck do we make the trade deadline week 10? Right, right. Like, it's it's just, it, it might not be screwing me. It actually might benefit me this year. But it, it takes away from any ability to strategize. And I think both of us agree, like, any time where it's like the rules take away from some sort of ability to come up with strategy, where it makes leagues less fun. So good discussion. I like this topic. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of people in leagues right now that are even talking about this. Like we had, a, this is the spawn from this morning's um, Heisman tier discussion about all this, uh, how, you know, what's the way to like it and not like some people, I explained our USFL process um, to them, and, and they didn't really like it. Like, oh, you're just kind of rewarding the, the good team, you know, a, a team that just misses the playoffs, the 101, because they're just going to easily run it, uh, you know, win it. But I'm like, you still got to win three games in a row. Like, shit happens in fantasy. You start the wrong guys and, and whatnot. Um, you know, stuff happens. So that, that's kind of yep. how I saw it. So, Yep, for sure. All right. So before we wrap it up, we got to play America's favorite game, our favorite. So didn't really come up with anything too special this week, but um, being that it's Veterans Day and it's a holiday, I'll go with what is your favorite holiday? Ooh, what is my favorite holiday? You know what I thought you were going to say? Dead honest, I thought you were going to say what is your favorite, like, uh combat movie or something like that 
Like that's literally what went in my mind. Like I'm trying to think of different ones in the past, but favorite holiday. Okay. I'm trying to switch it up and be different. I don't want it to be all movies or all sports related. Kind of. Do oh, I know. Different. I know. Favorite holiday. See, it's weird because I think each holiday has its own like positives and negatives. You know, like right. I I think I I tend to think all holidays are. I mean, as you get older, you kind of think of all holidays as like they're just time off work or time to spend with your family, you know, time to catch up on sleep, time to do whatever. Like it's not really about maybe when we, neither of us have kids. So it, right. it, what you, certain holidays are probably a lot more about your kids like Easter and Christmas and stuff like that than others. But um, mm-hmm. I tend to just correlate holidays with like the time of year that I like the most okay. and like how That's I'm feeling. I do too. Yep. So like I always – I always love like the, not even the Christmas holiday per se, but like just the like winter holidays. So almost like some of my favorite times during the year are the week after Christmas. Cause I usually take a couple days off like during that time, but it's like people still have the, the holiday hangover from Christmas, but it's still not yet new years. And that used to be when like all the college bowl games were on all that I mean that's basically like when the fantasy playoffs are going on so like to me that's like one big holiday but it's not even like christmas eve christmas day or new year's day or new year's eve it's all like that that week period like i just love that time of year where it's like it's all about like football and vacation with family and you know what i mean and i right. it's not really about the holiday per se it's more about just how it makes me feel so that and um same with saint patrick's day I'm Irish, but, you know, obviously Connor, I'm Irish, but you know what? I don't drink at all. So people are like, oh my God, you're Irish. Like you might spend every St. Patrick's day just out drinking green beer all day. And I'm like, no, not really. But you know what? I love St. Patrick's day because usually everybody else is off during that time. They're willing to like hang out or, you know, more people are free to, to do social things, but that's also during when the NCAA tournament is every year. Right, right. So it's like you can take those days off and it's like I'm taking the day off for not St. Patrick's Day. I'm taking it so I can just watch basketball. You know, like right. I always take those I've taken those days off since I was in my dad used to let me take those days off in elementary school. Right, right. So I mean I'm, I wasn't even working, but like I'd be like, Yeah, I'm not going to school those days. He'd be like, Okay, cool. Yeah, you don't have to. Yeah. I'd be like, okay, sweet. So I I think I've never worked or done anything on those days, you know, like a full day for since I was a little kid. So yeah, those two, those two holidays, but it's not because I love, you know, Christmas day or St. Patrick's day. It's more just the time of year. Right. Yeah. I'm kind of the same on that. Like I, I enjoy those for the same kind of reason. So my two that I came up with is I like Halloween just because usually the weather's like semi decent. It's like usually like 60. It's not too hot, not too cold. Um, like, it's not even like, I don't even dress up at all. Like, I don't even do any of that shit. I just steal the candy that we give out and stuff. Um, but I like, I don't like dressing up and stuff, but I just like, like, I don't know. I just like the weather. I like, I, I like seeing people in their costumes and stuff, but I just don't like doing it. And people are having fun. Uh, we dress our dogs up in stupid costumes. Uh, you know, stuff like that. I don't know. I, I just always have enjoyed Halloween, even though I, haven't really participated in it, in it too much since I was a kid, basically. And then the other one that I like, even though it's kind of, um, I don't want to say a sad day, but Memorial Day. 
Um, obviously, you know, we remember all the people that we've lost and all that, but I like it for sports because I'm a race fan. I get to wake up at six in the morning and Formula One races their most prestigious um, race at Monaco in the morning. And that's like one of the, you know, their premier races of the year. Then obviously you come over to America at, at like noon or one o'clock and the Indy 500 is going on. And that is my absolute favorite race of the year. Every single year. I love that race. And then at, after that race is done, then you have the NASCAR runs their 600 mile race. So, you know, between the Indy car and NASCAR race, that's 1100 miles of racing. And then whatever, how many ever miles the formula one races you're, I'm watching probably like 1400 miles of racing in one day. It's like one of the only days where there's a few other days that all three race on the same day, but they're not as prestigious as, as these three races are. So, um, I always enjoy that just like literally waking up at six in the morning and watching that race pretty much from that time forward all day. Um, usually people are doing cookouts on Memorial day. So you get the, you know, the cookout food, the hot dogs and burgers and all that. So that's always fun. But yeah, I just like, that's the one of my days. I usually take my, a week of vacation like that week or the week after it. So I can kind of just kind of enjoy the weather. Cause it's starting to get nice out at the end of, uh, end of May there around here at least. So it's nice. I, I, that's, that's one of my favorites just because of the, the racing aspect for it for sports. Yeah, there you go. We basically gave four answers and they had very, very, very little to do with the actual holiday it was more of just like right. how it makes think, us feel and all that kind of stuff. And I think what you said, if, if we had kids, like I'm sure Christmas and Easter and all that would be probably higher on our list because we want to, you know, make our kids feel like you know good and all that because of the holiday christmas or easter whatever it is so and those are always some of my favorite holidays as a kid too because you know christmas you're getting all these gifts and easter you're getting a bunch of candy and maybe you do an egg hunt or something like that i don't you know stuff like that so that that's another one that i always enjoyed um you know as kids but as you know you grow up you know you don't you appreciate those holidays, but not as much as you did as a kid because they were more kids' holidays. I mean, yeah, let's be real. All, all of our answers, except for your Halloween, was basically like what what's going on in fucking sports. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. It's like a holiday just means like what's going on in sports like, that week, or yeah, I'm sure like whatever. we both probably like Thanksgiving too because we get to watch three football games too and eat uh, a good meal. Oh, for Thanksgiving's great. That's like. That's usually right in the crux of like, are you going to make the fantasy playoffs? And it's like, there's always yeah. uh, different, different strategies with Thanksgiving games and stuff like that. So yeah, that that's I, when I think yeah. Thanksgiving, that's all I think of is like fantasy football now. Right. And, and it, like you said, it's like right before the playoffs. So it's like, it is like do or die week almost is that week 12 or week 13, whatever it is. Yeah. It's and you beat the people's asses that had to go spend time with family and they forget their lineups and stuff, but boom, yep, that's some that, extra, extra advantage every single week. Yep. That's the best. Or, I mean, it's literally just do or die. Like, cause you're either dom not dominating. You're like right on the cusp of getting in. So you've got to win those games, man. Those are, uh, those are definitely some tough ones. Like I've had, uh, I had to sweat out a few of those, that's for sure, on those games. Yeah, good topic. That came out of nowhere, but it was a nice uh, America's Favorite game, so I appreciate you. We always have those discussions. Like, 
usually it, it ends up in a 10 or 15 minute conversation about dumb shit. So, <laughs> yep, exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, that is it for this week. Uh, episode number 18 in the books, and we will be back next week for episode 19. So with that, I am at Eric Vanek NFL on Twitter, and you can also follow the podcast on Twitter at America's game pod. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to us on Twitter, follow us, uh, make sure you guys are checking out the, uh, the newsletter, you know, all the other podcasts on the feed as well. The 4d chess guys, um, Ike and Gene, make sure you guys check those guys out as well. You know, there's all kinds of good podcasts. Jeff does the, uh, injury podcast Sunday morning. So if you need some, uh, last minute injury advice on Sunday mornings. Jeff drops that on the feed for you guys every single week. That's been really helpful uh, to kind of get that last minute um, injury news as well. So that's good. Um, but yeah, go ahead, Scott. Uh, finish us off. Maybe tell us what you're gonna do on uh, Destination uh, Dynasty this week. Yeah, you can find me at Charles Chill FFB. Uh, as always, appreciate everybody at the DD team. Uh, I'm going to continue doing some roster construction stuff on Destination Dynasty for the next couple episodes. Uh, so check that out. Drops Monday morning. I'll get your Dynasty fix. It's a tricky time to do a Dynasty podcast because you really have to really you have to do it like in the midst of the games on Sundays to get the most updated information. So, I mean, that's basically when I'm doing it. I'm usually doing it on Sunday nights because that I want to incorporate things that just happened because we're, we're playing a reactionary game. So, yeah, check that out. Monday morning drops, Destination Dynasty, uh, talking more roster construction. And if you like that kind of thing, uh, go back and listen to the episode that I just did this past week uh, talking about wide receivers. So we'll hit some other positions. But, uh, yeah, we'll appreciate everybody. Uh, next week we have a very special guest coming on. Uh, we're going to talk some more 2023 rookie draft. Looking forward to that. And it's not going to be the same 2023 rookie draft chatter that you hear in a lot of places. We're going to really kind of get into some correlation and some forecasting of the class. Not so much about, hey, Eric, what players do you like? Or what players should we draft? It's more of looking big picture at the class and looking at how it's going to probably impact the dynasty landscape. And we'll talk some 2024 for the same way. So looking forward to that, and uh, we'll go ahead and sign off. Appreciate everybody.